I have enjoyed listening to Jesus Smart for over a year and a half now and have been greatly blessed by encouraging words, thought-provoking conversations, and sound doctrine. There's a power that women have within family and marriage. Proverbs 14, chapter 1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. Women literally have the power to build their homes or to tear them down in terms of uh, relational health and intimacy. And of course, men have power as well. But I think most men and women would agree that women actually have a more subtle power, uh, perhaps a more potent power to affect the dynamic of the relationship. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for connecting today. We're glad you're with us. I'm Brian Del Turco. You're connected with Jesus Smart, the podcast. Jesus knows how this life works best. And this is such a great episode, number 209, The Power of Women to Create Intimacy in Marriage. Dr. Julie Slattery is our special guest. She's a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and broadcast media professional, and the co-founder of AuthenticIntimacy.com, a ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. I think you're going to want to share this episode with a friend or two. Keep passing it along. There's a lot of value here, and the best syndication is always you. So what is this relationship superpower that a woman brings to marriage and home? How does it differ from a man's power? Are these powers complementary? The conversation today is rich with insight about intimacy in marriage. If you're married, anticipating marriage, maybe one day you see yourself being married. This is for you. And I feel that young men, yes, young men would do well to be cured of YMD, that's young man's disease. Did I just say that? I did. I did say that as only a father of four daughters might do. But young men would do well to start storing up insight now into what a successful, enjoyable relationship actually looks like. You can save yourselves about 10 years of hard learning if you start early. Okay, you can explore the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash create intimacy in marriage. Before we get into it, we have a quick new episode feature that we just launched called Jesus Dynamics, applying the Jesus way to all of life. Can I ask you a question? Have you lost your fierceness? If so, it's costing you. Our full-on engagement is required to live our best life. The authority is from above, but a fierce mastery must flow through us. We read in early Genesis that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule. Think about that regal word, rule. In Romans 5, Paul says we can receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and reign in life through the one King Jesus. John Eldridge says in his book, Waking the Dead, that we need to execute a fierce mastery. He writes that Hebrew scholar Robert Alter has looked long and hard at this passage, mining it for its riches, referring to Genesis 1, 26 to 28. This scholar says the idea of rule means a fierce exercise of mastery. It is active, engaged, passionate, and fierce. You see, friend, it will cost us. Even more, it will cost what's around us, those around us, if we lose our godly ferocity. We could say it's personal mastery, even married mastery, under the master. It's our exercise of dominion under the majestic sovereign Christ as king. And can I say that there is no way to get around this? The dominion of King Jesus flows through us, via us. We are designed to live with an authority from above ourselves. So let's invest time. It's a super high leverage investment. Meditating and praying into passages like Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And let's add Psalms 8 and Romans 5, 17 into the mix too. And then move out in fierce prayer-born action as God leads you and empowers you. Yes, we are blessed, that is empowered by the Creator, but we have to understand that our internal state has to be fierce. And remember, internals shape externals. 
We are talking today with a special guest, Dr. Julie Slattery, about a wife's power and what she brings to the marriage in terms of cultivating intimacy in the marriage. What is that superpower and what's the great her greatest challenge maybe that's connected with that? And also, what is the superpower of men, complementary powers? Hopefully we can see it in that way. I think we will. Dr. Julie Slattery is a clinical psychologist, an author, a speaker. She's a broadcast media professional with over 25 years of experience in counseling and teaching women. And she's the president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, a unique ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. I love that, Dr. Julie. Following Jesus is coming to the one who has designed all things, right? Absolutely. Yep. And he is the designer of marriage and sexuality, too. Yeah. And I'm I'm just loving these days thinking about true Christianity as living a true designer life under the Creator. In 2020, Julie launched another platform, sexualdiscipleship.com. That's a platform designed to help Christian leaders navigate sexual issues and questions with uh, truth from the gospel of the kingdom. How is that platform uh, doing, Julie, and um, how's the influence of that platform? Yeah, it's been really fun just to engage with leaders, literally from around the world. We have uh, missionaries and pastors and counselors and um, youth pastors and lay Christian leaders that really care about this topic. And um, so it's been great to learn from them and to gather them and to teach. And um, so, yeah, we're excited Mm just to see the impact. Uh, Again, God uses leaders all around the world. So to engage with leaders is a real encouragement to us. Yeah, really. I think the last time we talked, which was over two years ago in September of 2019, you made a statement that I've quoted to a lot of people. I don't know if it's original with you, but I've uh, attributed it to you that the world system is out discipling the church in the Mm -hmm. area of discipleship in general, including sexual discipleship, this platform, wow, what a great ministry asset to mitigate against that, right, with leaders. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's so key. Again, even we as leaders have to realize that a lot of our thinking about sexual issues probably comes from just the world system that we live in and that we're, we're just every day kind of bombarded with messages of how we should think about sexuality and love and marriage and romance and all of it. So, um, so I just love that concept of, all right, discipleship really belongs in the church. So how do we start that? Uh, She hosts a weekly podcast, Java with Julie, where she answers tough questions about relationships and marriage and intimacy, both spiritual, emotional, well, as well as sexual intimacy. And the website is authenticintimacy.com podcast is great. Premium content. I heard an episode recently, Dr. Julie, episode 386 with, I guess it's Dave and Ann Wilson. What's Mm -hmm. the secret to getting the marriage and intimacy you want? And that secret is going vertical. That's very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was a good conversation with Dave and Ann. They're they're just such wonderful communicators and so dedicated to helping couples um, just love God well, and as a result, love each other well. Yeah, I, I really took away from it their basic life experience message that cultivating vertical intimacy with God releases horizontal intimacy in the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed yeah. that. Well, if, if I could, I'd like to ask you a general question before we get into uh, the content today about about the power of women in marriage and cultivating intimacy. What do you feel, Julie, that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing with you these days, maybe personally, maybe also in your work or for the church at large? Are there some edges you feel the Holy Spirit is on and highlighting right now? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, it's just the need for us to have grace with one one another within the body of Christ. It It's just so sad for me to see Um, the divisions that are, they just seem to be getting wider and wider, not only in the larger culture, but within church culture of uh, name calling, canceling, just writing people off because we don't agree on a particular issue or the way we treat one another. Um, So uh, we just are not, (laughs) we don't know how to be gracious. Uh, We don't know how to listen graciously and um, understand a brother or sister's experience who might be different from ours. And um, Jesus so emphasized the importance of unity among mm. believers. And so that is something that 
that God is definitely teaching me and, and making me very passionate about. And at the same time, I think our commitment to boldly speaking biblical truth and pursuing biblical truth. So, uh, so listening well and loving each other well and extending grace, but not at the expense of, um, you know, walking away from sure the offensive message of the gospel. Yeah. So uh, that our world so desperately needs. So those are big, broad issues, but um, ones that I keep coming back to again and again. It's such a divisive time right now, and of course, the world system wants one to compromise. I think in order to have that unity, but that that tension, right? It's a tension that we have to carry. Mm-hmm. Listening, acceptance, yeah. and love, and yet, and that, and yet, not forsaking design and truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your book. It's called "Finding the Hero in Your Husband." Subtitle: Embracing mm-hmm. Your Mar- Embracing Your Power in Marriage. I think you wrote this book twenty years ago, and you rewrote it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the rewriting and why you've repurposed it. Well, I did write it twenty years ago, and uh, it was the first book I wrote. And I was thrilled just to see that God used it and had given me wisdom, even as a young wife, on some key issues in marriage. And people were still buying the book or reading the book or asking me about it. And I felt like, okay, the message in the book is still one that I think is really needed. I think it's very helpful for women. But there are a lot of things that have changed over 20 years. And there are a lot of things that I have learned that I would probably communicate differently than I communicated back then. So I didn't want to just write a new book because I loved the theme of that one, but I also didn't want to just do a light edit. I felt like it really needed a complete overhaul. So that's kind of how we got to where we are today. Okay. So do you see that things in the culture have changed sort of a Obvious question, isn't it? But things yeah. in the culture have changed these past two decades and, and in your own personal um, growth and in, um, insight as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you just think about uh, nobody was using the internet 20 years ago. It was just a brand new phenomenon. We didn't have uh, cell phones, none less smartphones. Uh, you look at the level of brokenness that the average couple is dealing with right at the beginning of marriage. And you even look at some of the conversations that have happened about gender uh, over the last couple decades and sort of the rise of of women and empowerment for women, uh, in many cases at the expense of men, where we don't really know what to do with masculinity anymore. So, uh, So those nuances all impact how we communicate truth around marriage. So I wanted to make sure that I was nuancing that based on where we are currently in our day day and age. Mm. Yeah, I find this title kind of really clever and intriguing. On the one hand, finding the hero in your husband. On the other hand, embracing your power in marriage. I'm thinking of like maybe, let's say, a sophomore young woman at college. And um, this may be a provocative sort of title, finding the hero in your husband, right? What, mm-hmm. But what is this wife's power that you are speaking of? How can she use it healthy ways personally and, and in her marriage? Yeah, I think even the concept of power is provocative in our day and age uh, in some of the conversations that we have. And particularly within the church, is power a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And we have to say whether or not it's good or bad, it exists. God has given us the power uh, as human beings to subdue the earth. Uh, he's given us power in relationships to impact one another. Yes. Uh, but we see specifically that there's a power that women have within family and marriage. Uh, Proverbs 14, chapter one says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. And so right there, written thousands and thousands of years ago is this reflection that women literally have the power to build their homes or to tear them down in terms of uh, relational health and and intimacy. And of course, men have power as well. But I think most men and women would agree that women actually have a more subtle power, uh, perhaps a more um, potent power Mm -hmm. to affect the dynamic of the relationship. So it starts with this idea that women, you have to realize you have power and you're using it 
whether you are aware of it or not, to build or to tear down. And um, and then it's like, okay, well, help me understand my power. Where does that come from? And relational power will always come from what the other person needs. Um, so one of the mistakes that we often make in marriage is we try to change marriage based on articulating what we need. And if my need gets met, then the marriage will be better. But our, re- our power actually comes from what our spouse needs. And so my husband's needs give me a sense of power. Will, will I honor those needs? Will I meet those needs? Will I withhold? Um, and so really understanding that for a woman, your power comes in digging into what are those unique things that your husband is bringing into marriage in terms of his needs. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's so primal in early Genesis, you know, God said, let us make man in our image and in the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. And so there's this sort of this archetype of God placing his image in the garden expressed in man and in woman together, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's not to say that the image of God is not in a single person, of course, we understand that, but there's a dynamic in the marriage relationship that is seen there in, in early Genesis. And so you can see the enemy's intent to counterfeit or to degrade that or attack that. And so the wife was made, it says, um, suitable or corresponding or complementary. I think uh, the, that's some of the Hebrew meaning there, right, in early Genesis to Adam. Yeah, uh, she was made as a helper. Um, and so uh, the idea is that God created man and that man in and of itself wasn't enough to express the image of God, right. that God also created woman to be like Adam, but also different. And so in those differences, particularly within the intimacy of marriage, we need each other. And in the areas that we need each other, again, that lends, that lends power to both the husband and wife. Yes, and together they are to rule and reign and um, express mm-hmm. dominion throughout the earth. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some sense in which the woman being the last element of God's creative activity before he goes into rest mode <laughs> yeah. seems to be the crowning jewel of creation. Either that or, you know, women are just exhausting. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you can say that. I can't say that, but I tell That's you what, right. I'm, I'm, You're uh, right. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I get quite exhausted myself. So yeah. <laughs> it may be like two sides of the same coin. Like, is there a great challenge connected with this great strength as well? Is is there a potential weakness that she could fall into in, in expressing this power? Well, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so let's take one area of power as an example. So um, one thing that we know from research and looking at scripture, both, we know that men have this unique need for respect. And uh, that can be a trigger word for for women in our culture today because they've heard over and over like men re- need respect and that that's sort of like a mantra that we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. But really, the way God has designed men is that they are uniquely vulnerable to failure and uh, long to be viewed as competent and to come through in a pinch instead okay. of being the guy that fails. Yep. And so we have to understand that women, we don't like failure either, but we don't have that same like core fear or need. And so a man in one sense is waking up every day saying to his wife, am I your hero? Do you believe in me? Like, even though you've seen my weaknesses, you've seen where I've messed up, would you still vote for me? Do you believe in me? And, you know, the research would say that most men would rather be unloved than disrespected in marriage and that 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 need to feel like my wife believes in me is so key that uh, that it's one of his greatest needs within an intimate relationship and so now as a woman understands that power it means that you know i as my husband's wife have the most powerful vote on whether or not he feels like he's a competent Hmm. man Mm -hmm. 
And, and so he's looking to me, I had one guy who, who was talking to me about this and he said, yeah, he's like, I'm a public speaker. And as soon as I'm done speaking, Mm. I, I want to know what my wife thought. And that is not the time for her to tell me, well, your slides were a little fuzzy or you could have made this, this point more clear. She can tell me that later, but I really need to hear like, you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Like she, he needs said, I need that first because as long as as she's on my side, then I can handle everything else. Uh, And so if we take that one area of power, we can say, okay, a a wife can use that in positive ways or negative ways. You know, she can be the one who, even as Proverbs 31 would say, she, her husband knows that she believes in him. She's with him. She's for him. And so that's a positive use of that power uh, that she communicates day in and day out through verbals and nonverbals and good times and bad. Um, But there's also a negative use of that power where she can say, well, you know, my husband's, you know, he thinks pretty highly of himself. I think it's my job to take him down a few notches (laughs) or, uh, or maybe she, and this is more likely she is a, she has fears. Like she's afraid if I let my husband uh, share his opinion or step into leadership or make decisions um, that might impact me, I would lose control. And so I don't want him to do that. And so instead of letting him, for example, parent the kids the way he wants to parent them, I always feel like I need to step in and correct him and tell him how to do it. And so, uh, and so right there, the way she's using her power is to tell her husband, whether she realizes it or not, you're not okay. Like I need, I need to constantly fix you, which kind of undermines that sense of trust. Yeah. Over over time that can really, that can really degrade a man. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of very loving wives who will make that mistake because they don't realize they don't understand. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, this is very primal. I mean, it's not good for the man to be alone at the very beginning in early Genesis. So, you know, she's made to come alongside of him, taken from him and come alongside of him. That obviously shows a need for that sort of support and affirmation and assistance in calling. Yeah. Right? And and I would say that those are two separate needs. Like they, they interact, but a man needs that that confidence from his wife, that respect from his wife. But part of why God created women is that men are incomplete in and of themselves, that women do bring a piece to all of this that a guy doesn't have. And so men also need their wives' help. So, uh, you know, husband doesn't just want a wife who's going to be that cheerleader, but also can say, okay, here's how, after encouraging him, like taking the example of that guy who is a public speaker, I'm going to encourage you, but I'm also, here's how here's how you could improve. Or as a woman, this is how that sounded to me. You might want to nuance it differently. And so the help that a, that a wife brings a husband is that adding to perspective, bringing her personality, her giftedness, but it's also accountability. And I think that this is something particularly within the Christian world that has gotten lost like every man needs a wife who's willing to draw a boundary to confront in love. Um, you know, just like the, like again, Proverbs says faithful are the wounds of her friend and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And part of our intimate relationship, whether it be brother, sister relationship or the intimacy of marriage is being willing um, to set the set boundaries when needed and being willing to confront. Yeah, I guess I want to feel that if it's packaged in affirmation and love that a man does deep down at the end of the day want to game up, right? And want right. his competencies to increase so the value that she can bring in that way should be received and valued. So those two really go hand in hand. Like you can't really help your husband unless you've built that foundation of he knows that you respect him. He knows that you're not going to be critical. And so the input or feedback that you give is out of the spirit of love that you've already created. Yes. So what about complementary powers? What What is the power of men in marriage, maybe as it relates to this facet of a woman's power in marriage? Well, you have to look at what wives need in marriage. So, uh, so if men have these core needs of respect and 
feeling like, okay, she's my teammate. I'll ask you, uh, what do you think women need within marriage and how, how do they experience maybe some unique needs and intimacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they need love and security. Yeah. Is that right? So those, those are really the two things is, uh, you know, I, I kind of put it like they need to feel cherished and so highly valued by their husband. And they also need, you use the word security. I use another word protection. Okay. They need to have that, that sense that my husband is not going to hurt me. You know, he's not going to hurt me emotionally. He's not going to hurt me physically. Um, he's going to man up and be, uh, the spiritual leader in our family. He's going to, as much as he's able to provide for our family, it doesn't mean that he's the sole provider, but he has the heart to say, I want to make sure my family's taken care of. I want to make sure my wife is taken care of. Uh, And so those are the two core needs that a woman has within intimacy. And so those needs give a, a husband power. And so when he's not meeting those needs for his wife, then he's not fueling intimacy. Mm. Okay. That's so good. Now, these passages on, quote, submission in the scriptures can be very controversial, right, in the church? Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Among (laughs) among Christian women, and I know it's controversial outside the church. Yes. Um, You write about that in this book, but I think you have a bit of a different take on submission than um, mm-hmm. maybe many other Christian authors or teachers. Can you yeah. can you explain that? Yeah, I think uh, we kind of live in a bifurcated world with these kinds of conversations where you're either in this camp or you're in that camp. So there's the camp that says, you know, submission is was all cultural. When we look at the scripture, none of it applies today. You know, God really wants us to be exactly equal in everything. Uh, in in essence, gender doesn't matter. Right. Uh, uh, the other camp is saying no. Submission is really important. It's all about male headship. You know, wives need to do whatever their husbands say. And uh, we we're seeing, understandably, an awful lot of backlash mm-hmm. with that, even with the Me Too movement of this type of application of submission in marriage, uh, even encouraging abuse within households. Mm. So. Uh, you know, I've talked to many women who would maybe go to a pastor and say, you know, my husband is verbally abusive or he's demanding sex. And and the pastor would say, well, let's look at the Bible. And the Bible says, submit your husband and everything as you would to the Lord. So, you know, whether he's right or not wrong, you need to do it. And that, I think, is a gross misapplication to what the scriptures actually teach. Uh, so, the way that I talk about submission in this book is that in order to understand submission, you have to understand your power. And so submission is really uh, a woman's way of understanding that God has given me great power to build my husband or tear him down. And even through my weakness and not using my power, I can be tearing down my family. Uh, And so submission is actually about the wise application of my power. Um, to build godliness into my husband, to um, to be that kind of teammate who's helping my husband develop into God, who God created him to be. Um, and so there are a lot of like kind of myths of submission that we could talk about that, again, have, I think, misinterpreted and mis- misapplied how this actually is meant to look in relationships. But we have to start with the premise that you know, one of the main purposes of marriage is it's a form of revelation. It's revealing the nature of Christ's covenant love with his people. Right. And so uh, we never see Christ as demanding as um, you must do this no matter what, you know, we see Christ saying basically the way you lead is by being a servant. And so, And so one way we know that people are misapplying submission is if we look at a marriage relationship that it's a gross distortion of what what Christian love is meant to be. And we say, oh, yeah, that's biblical. That's not biblical. So, uh, So I think that's a good gut check.
laying down the life, greater love is no one than this, right? Mm -hmm. To lay down one's mm -hmm. life for another. And if not with your wife, then who, right? Right. So what about cases where submission or a gross interpretation of submission actually puts a woman in danger? What should she be looking for? How should she... Um, um, move forward with that. Yeah. You know, I think one thing again is let's go back to the life of Jesus. So Jesus, uh, we're told in Philippians chapter two, submitted to the authority of the father. He was equal with God, the father, but he chose to say, all right, I'm going to submit under the father's leadership. Uh, and in doing that, we see Jesus interacting with all kinds of people in the gospel and he never once was manipulated into doing something. So, uh, so the Pharisees were trying to box him into corners. They were trying to get set traps. You know, he didn't say, "Oh, well, because I'm submissive, I'll just go along with what you want." He was actually very bold in setting boundaries and, uh, you know, not allowing them to get emotionally close to him. You know, refusing to answer questions that he knew were traps. So submission is not this go along to get along. And Jesus showed that, uh, that there, there, was, there certainly were times that out of conviction of what God was asking him to do, he endured hardship. Um, but it was never because he was afraid or he's manipulated or he's being controlled. And in marriages where there's abuse, you are always going to see those elements. You're going to see a woman who's afraid of her husband. You're going to see manipulation or control. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so whenever you see those three things, you can say, okay, this is, I don't know what it is, but it certainly isn't biblical submission. Um, because if I'm reacting out of fear, um, you know, we're told very clearly that God does not give us a spirit of fear. And, and so that's not honoring to our husbands. It's not honoring to God. And it certainly isn't going to pave the way for health. She should reach out for help then somehow, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things that happens in an abusive relationship is a person can feel very helpless and very isolated. And this can happen to somebody who on the outside appears to have their life together, who's a professional, who's very confident, but the way the marriage dynamics have evolved within the marriage, you feel like you can't tell anyone. You start thinking, well, maybe it's my fault because that's that's kind of how the narrative has been formed. And so it's really impossible to get out of that situation without reaching out for help, without getting an outside perspective. Um, so if you, if you go to a church setting and you meet with a, a, a pastor and he says, oh, yeah, just go back into this situation. You know, that's that's wrong advice. And there's certainly a lot of Christian pastors and counselors who would recognize immediately, OK, this is not a healthy situation. Um, we need to intervene to get you to a safe spot. And I, I'd encourage you to work with a counselor that understands um, some of these dynamics and marriage dynamics so that you can assess the situation, make sure you're not you or anyone else really isn't in danger and uh, and really have the resources to, to start setting the, the kind of boundaries that are imperative for staying safe and to give your marriage a chance for survival. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I find it fascinating that the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <clears throat> um, obviously intimate in their union with each other, right? And this honor and deference, you know, I think of Jesus saying about the Holy Spirit, for example, look, you can speak against me and be forgiven, but mm -hmm. not but not him, right? Mm -hmm. The def mm -hmm. the deference and honor that that the Godhead has for one another, and then they together create in their image man and woman. And so could you just comment on this idea of, um, I mean, I really lo love this idea from the other episode with your guest about getting vertical uh, in your marriage, but cultivating intimacy with God, deepening progression of intimacy with God, a healthy growing spirituality, and how that then cultivates, uh, really positions you well for intimacy in marriage. 
Yeah, there are so many different elements to that. Uh, one of which is even, as I mentioned, marriage is meant to be a reflection of Christ in the church. And so the more we understand in a personal and intimate way, the way God loves, uh, the more we're able to actually have Jesus within us loving each other through us. Um, so you know, like Paul says, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And as you nurture your relationship with God, you realize that he's not just teaching you what to do. The Holy Spirit is actually within you. And Christ is loving through you in ways that you couldn't love in your natural self. And so that's part of spiritual formation. That's part of why you know, the Christian walk isn't just about learning a bunch of doctrines, but it's a surrendered life. It's a life of growing intimacy. Uh, And then I think another key component to this is we have deep, deep needs for intimacy. Uh, It needs to be known, needs to be safe, to be loved, to be cared for, to be understood. And when we come to marriage with the expectation that your spouse is going to be all of that for you and love you in such a way that it heals your wounds. It makes up for what you didn't get growing up. You're really setting up your marriage for failure. And so uh, we understand more and more about how when you're nurturing that relationship with the Lord, even when you're cultivating healthy relationships within the body of Christ, like we're meant to have marriage now becomes this blessing. It becomes this overflow instead of constantly feeling hurt and disappointed that it it doesn't meet all of these expectations that you brought into marriage. Um, So that's part of of growth and working through the natural disappointment that happens even in in very healthy marriages. Yeah, I I suppose a way we could say it is that I I just thought as you were reflecting there that marriage is not a redeemer it's not a savior it is an overflow of blessing right it is a reflect yeah. it, it is a reflection of christ and his bride it obviously is meant to exhibit the image of god in the earth but it's not it doesn't have a redeem mm-hmm. not a full on <laughs> divine redeeming quality to it right well i would say it has a little r redeeming quality a little but not r. a big r i like r. that okay yeah, yeah. so you know, there's certainly ways that my husband over 27 years of marriage has helped me to grow and to mature, help me, helps me to heal. And I'm sure he would say the same is true of my impact on him, but without Christ, that would not have happened. And so he has his own relationship with the Lord as I do mine, but also again, as we interact with each other and as we grow in Christ, it's Christ loving through me um, that brings the redemption that he experiences. So, um, so there, and that's what makes it so difficult. There are very redemptive aspects of marriage, but it is not the capital R redeemer of my life. Yeah. Good nuanced uh, qualifier there. That's really good. Um, it's obviously going to be healthy in marriage, isn't it, for each person to have their own individual growing relationship with God through Christ, but also in terms of like cultivating spiritual intimacy, even psychological intimacy. In a real sense, intimacy, would you say it needs to be 3D, spiritual, psychological, as well as uh, physical, right? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I do think so. And, you know, I think the healthiest, we, the healthier we are, the more integrated we are. So we don't even think of them as separate dynamics. We think of them as flowing out of each other. Okay. Um, And so... (laughs) I like that. I mean, that's more of the Hebraic mindset than like a Greek Western categorization, right? Of, Yeah. Well, they're just... And when you look at humanity in general, anything that is disintegrated is bad and anything that's integrated is good. And so... One way of even understanding wholeness and spiritual development is, does my life have more integrity or integration than it did a year ago? Or do I feel more like there's pockets and pieces of me that (laughs) don't really make sense, but, you know, that are kind of channeled off from one another. Um, And so often we think, oh, the the spiritual intimacy is good, but the physical intimacy is horrible. It's like, okay, well, when did those two get split off? Exactly. And how can we learn to reintegrate them? 
I love the holistic approach. I, I really do. Integris, right? Integrity. Mm-hmm. To, and, yep. and, and instead of this fragmentation, I think it is the nature mm-hmm. of sin to break down and fragment things and degrade them, right? It is, yeah. a, it is the nature of the gospel of Christ to, to reconcile and to build up and reintegrate and bring mm-hmm. wholeness. So sexual intimacy, that's been a theme that you've been pursuing for the past decade or so, focusing on mm-hmm. that. Why why is sex so important and why can it be such an intense area of conflict at times? Yeah, I think uh, sex is important because it is the embodiment of our vows. So um, sex is not our vows. So I think that's very, we have to clarify that, uh, you know, like every now and then I'll get an email from a couple who will say, we've been married for a year and we've been unable to consummate our marriage. Does that mean we're not married? And I would say, no, that doesn't mean that like your, your covenant promise to one another is what means you're married, right. but God has given us sex as a way of with our body, remembering our vows and uh, symbolizing our vows. And would you say that conversely, that having sex casually is, nor is that marriage? Right, right. It lacks integrity mm-hmm. because you're doing with your body what you haven't vowed to do with your whole life, ah, but it doesn't ooh. mean you're married. So Boy, that's, a, that's, uh, a, it's, a, that's a drop mic statement right there. Well, well so, Say that again. You're doing what with your body. Yeah, you're doing with your body what you haven't done with your whole life. Yes. And um, Tim... Tim Keller did a sermon on that theme several years ago that I found really helpful. But even going back to the idea of fragmentation versus integration, when you have a sexual response to pornography or to somebody you're not married to, you're fracturing off the sexual part of me from the choices I make, the relationship I'm in. So having sex doesn't mean you're married, but it's meant to be the expression of what it is to covenant yourself to another person uh, to make that lifelong promise. And so sex is very spiritual. It's very relational. It's meant to be that way, which makes it very powerful. Uh, But then it also makes it uh, (laughs) really a powder keg of tapping into the deepest areas of who we are as human beings. Mm. And so when couples try to talk about sex, they're not just talking about sex. They're very often triggering shame and feelings of inadequacy and fears of rejection. And so what might appear to be a simple conversation of, I would like to have sex, but you said no, now becomes, I feel rejected. I feel criticized. This brings up for me all the times I was rejected And so you have this very symbolic and powerful aspect of marriage that most couples have no idea how to navigate because of the emotion that it can evoke. Well, it provides an opportunity, right, to address those issues together? Oh, for sure. You know, that's that's the cool part is that if you can learn the language of talking about sex and growing in sexual intimacy you're not just growing in sexual intimacy, you're growing in every other aspect of knowing each other because you're now needing to describe and to share things that perhaps you've never shared with another human being. Um, and that's why, you know, sexual intimacy is meant to be intertwined with, with spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy. So would you mind sharing something personal? Uh, your husband's name is Mike. And right? how have you and your husband navigated these issues together in marriage, parenting, even in Mm -hmm. ministry, even in his career, because he has a career as well. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that? You mean, particularly the issue of like power? um, Uh, Sure. Yeah. Power. This what what we started talking about, the the woman's unique power, the husband's unique power. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's been um, it's been a growing journey. So, uh, and we are at a stage now where it's just 
really fun to be able to enjoy some of the fruits of the work that <laughs> we've done over the years. You're in the fun zone. Just, it's, it's like the fine wine, right? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, we yeah. just became empty nesters and it's like, wow, like this is fun. Um, but <laughs> but it's it's fun because we really have had the years of working at it and of having the hard conversations and the hard conflicts. Um, but I think you even take the idea of work and ministry. So early on, you know, we I, I got my degree in psychology. Actually, we actually had our first son the same week I finished my last Wow. exam for my doctorate. And so immediately we're thrown into the deep end with these questions that every couple deals with of, okay, whose career comes first and who stays home with the kids. And if we're both working and, um, you know, our kid is at school and sick, who's the one that goes to get them. And, and so all of that navigation is not just about whose paycheck is the bigger one, but even more importantly about what does work mean for you? And what does it mean for me as a wife, again, to believe in and respect my husband, not to compete with him, but to really uh, build a relationship where he feels like I'm totally on his team. And the same would be said for him. You know, what does it look like for him to nurture me and not just to say, oh, my job's more important. You just want to do ministry stuff. You know, you should stay home and be with the kids. Like, to minimize what God has put in me. And so um, we've been navigating this through different seasons for years of how do we honor each other and how do we use our relational power to make marriage be a place where both of us feel valued and honored. And, um, and like I said, it's fun to be at the stage where, where uh, we get to experience the fun and the fruit of of a lot of that hard work. Yeah, really. Uh, and now you can bring, I mean, the the value add that you can bring all of the life cycle experience, right? Yeah. And spiritual growth that you can now bring to leaders, listeners, consumers of content, people that hear you speak, people that read your books, yeah. the value, yeah. the value that I, you can bring. There's it's, it's the laboratory of your, your, your marriage and your home. Mm. And, you know, I think some of, some of the nuance that gets lost in in these conversations is we want we want rules you know we want sound bites that say oh a man should be the main breadwinner uh and the woman should be home with the kids and those rules may feel very cut and dry for us but what they end up doing is is keeping us inflexible and keeping us from actually digging into the deeper things, which again are needs, uh, and and is a man's need for respect really being honored within marriage? Is a woman's need to to be secure, as you said, really being honored by her husband? And they can work out the the logistics of who works and who stays home and you know who cleans the bathtubs and like those things should change throughout your marriage. You have a lot of a long marriage together, Lord willing, but the core needs don't change and the emotional environment that we're creating, that's what's lasting. And so I think we spend too much time debating the things at the surface instead of really understanding the, the power of what drives us underneath. Yeah. We get lost on the surface level. It's just brilliant marriage. I mean, Lucifer, let's say outside the garden of Eden, observing the creation of marriage, it must have stunned him. Mm -hmm. Gender, yeah. sexuality, reproduction, the marriage relationship itself, how God uses it. I mean, it's such a, and how it reflects the sacred romance of, mm -hmm. you know, it's such a brilliant creation of God. All of it, gender, sexual, just just all of it. You can just see the enemy's hatred of it, his attacks against it, how we should be incredibly resolved and intentional and, you know, high value intentionality with it. It's just a, we, right. we should thank God and worship him for it every day. It's such a brilliant <laughs> thing. It really is. It is. Yeah. And you can see how quickly the enemy got to work and trying to tear it apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the work you're doing. I think that 
you probably know this. I think Satan hates the work you're doing, but I love what you're doing. The Holy Spirit must love it. The Lord Jesus loves it. Would you be willing, uh, Julie, just to pray over us uh, on these themes as we conclude? Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, even as Brian said, we praise you and thank you for the beautiful ways that you've written your love into uh, our hearts through male and female, through marriage and through reproduction, through our longings to be known. Uh, Lord, and thank you also that you've provided in your word examples of how single Christians thrive uh in, in the community of the body of Christ yes, that yeah. you created intimacy and brother-sister relationships mm-hmm. that is so necessary too. And we just praise you and thank you for the ways that you've created us and the ways that you've created uh, this world um, to speak to our longings, um, but also how you've created this world to <laughs> to not fulfill us so that we know we need you. And Lord, I just pray for each man and woman listening uh, that you would speak a unique word to them and just something that maybe you would ask them to lay down or something you'd ask them to go after and just honoring you within marriage, honoring you within the relationship uh, of intimacy with you. And Lord, I just pray that you would do the work in each one of our hearts of setting us free of helping us to see the beauty of how you've designed us and how you've created male and female. We just pray, God, that you would give us a grace for each other on this journey and a reverence for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We agree with that, Father. Well, the book is Finding the Hero in Your Husband, Embracing Your Power in Marriage. I've loved talking about these themes, uh, Dr. Julie. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the work you do. And the website is AuthenticIntimacy.com. And the new, mm-hmm. pl- the new platform again for leaders, uh, what is the URL for that again? Yeah, it's SexualDiscipleship.com. Oh, man, that's a great URL, SexualDiscipleship.com. And how? what about social? How can people connect with you socially? Yeah, we are active on Facebook and uh, and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram, you would look uh, under Authentic Intimacy. And then I have a Twitter handle. I think it's Act Dr. Julie Slattery. So that would be the ways you connect with us. You have a great Instagram game going on there. Good work there. Uh, I have nothing to do with it. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> so, your, your team's yeah. doing a great job. I'll let them know that. <laughs> Well, thank you, Dr. Julie. We appreciate you, okay? Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the value add that Dr. Julie Slattery offers at AuthenticIntimacy.com, her books, her podcast, her speaking, her resources, her courses. I really encourage you to check it out. Tap into some of her resources. She is bringing a message. She is delivering content that is highly needed today. Go ahead and see the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash create intimacy and marriage. You can see more information there about Dr. Julie Slattery, links to further resources to dive deeper on this topic. And I feel like saying this, if I may, as you align with God's design for marriage, You position yourself well for blessing, fulfillment, and joy in life. Thank you for passing this episode along to your friends and contacts. The best syndication is always your personal connection. We're going to say it loud and clear. Jesus is the most brilliant. Walk with him and you'll catch his brilliance in a unique way. He knows how life works best. Talk soon. Talk soon.